All right, so this is the last week of our current um, Healthy Church member uh, class. Um, we've got uh, next week we're off. The Schroders are here, and they'll be visiting in the first hour, right? So we'll be all get, getting together to kind of get an update from them. And then the two weeks after that, the 5th and the 12th, uh, will be um, membership class. And so we're going to all get together uh, as a church um, and talk about membership um and uh it's so this this would be for everybody it's not just for new um folks that are interested in membership it would be for for all of us as we kind of kind of put a bow on this this conversation that we've been having over the last few months about membership um so the last week this this last chapter is uh that a healthy church member is a prayer warrior um so we're going to talk about prayer today so we've talked about a lot of different aspects of what a healthy church member looks like. We've um, kind of walked through expositional listener. We talked about being a biblical theologian, gospel-saturated, uh, conversion. We talked about conversion. We talked about being a committed member. Um, we talked about discipline and, and that a healthy church member seeks discipline, um, is a growing disciple. And then last week, Sheldon talked about um, being a humble follower. So what does it mean to be? A humble follower. Um, as because this is a conclusion, does anyone have any um, thoughts about um, one of the weeks? Is there anything that really stuck out to to anyone about the previous weeks that we've looked at? No. Something that I'm just thinking of is just in totality is the. You know, oftentimes, like when we talk about leadership and we look at the qualifications, we say this is really something every church member should be striving for. Sure. These are things that we should all exemplify. And I think this class is a good reminder of that sort of thing where it's it's so important for the health of the church mm-hmm. for us all to be playing our part and striving in the grace that God has given us through Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think I think this idea that what that the church is a gift that God has given us, and it's not a, a gift that we passively receive, but it's a gift that we receive and we contribute to the gift. So this is a this is something that God's given us each other, and He's given us this church in some kind of mysterious way. He's put us together, and so there's an opportunity that we have to actively be involved in the life of the church and. You know, we've talked the the, um, the scripture that talks about the different parts of the body. Um, we should all be striving for these these qualities, um, but everybody's going to have a different role to play um, in the life of the church. Any other thoughts? I liked the chapter on a. It struck me this time on being a growing disciple yeah. because. As someone who's been a believer for a long time, has been in church for a long time, it's easy to get complacent about mm-hmm. personal growth yeah. and uh, focus on the Lord. And so I just thought it was a really good reminder for me of <clears throat> what that looks like yeah. to be a growing disciple and then what it looks like within the church fellowship. So... Great. 
I yeah. just enjoyed that one. We can be spurring each other on to grow and encourage each other. It's um, wonderful. Well, this week uh, we're talking about being a prayer warrior. Um, what, do, what do people think when they hear prayer warrior? My mom. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Someone who actually prays for you when they say they're going to pray for you. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think we have that. Especially even just a Southern thing, I think. It's like, oh, I'll pray for you. Um, to kind of get out of the conversation, right? Versus somebody that actually is praying. Um, so prayer warrior. So um, the, the author starts the chapter talking about um, this idea that the church is a lot of things, but one of the things that it is that it's a house of prayer. So we, we, he talks about the church being a house of prayer. And we see this um, in a few different, uh, uh, we see this throughout scripture, but certainly um, he, he references Isaiah 56. I think I have that pulled up. Let's see if I can. Isaiah 56, 7. If anyone else has it. I think I put a marker there. Yeah, I've got it. Um, Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them glad in my house of prayer, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable in my off, off, on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. Um, and then obviously we see in Acts, and we've kind of talked about this uh, in, in the sermon series that we just finished on Acts. But right at from the very beginning, Acts 1 and Acts 2, we see that they were getting together and devoting themselves to prayer and to um, communing with each other. So part of the community that was started right at the beginning of the church, of the, of, of the New Testament church, the devotion to prayer was there. That was a huge part. Um, so um, we want to we talk about what that looks like in the church, but I think first we want to um, define our terms so to talking about what prayer actually is. Um, so prayer is just a simple communication with God through Jesus. So Jesus has given us access to our Father um, to pray. And it's available to us. Prayer is available to us because of our standing with him. And we talked about prayer as one of the ordinary means of grace when we did our ordinary means of grace series last year, maybe the year before. Um, so the mean, a means of grace by review is a means that God has given his children to be spiritually nourished and to grow in his grace. It's a means of sanctification. Um, and prayer nourishes us and grows us, grows us in our faith. How does prayer do that? How does prayer, if we say that prayer is an ordinary means of grace, and that is um, a means that God has given us for spiritual nourishment and growth, going back to thinking about the growing disciple, how does that, how, is, how does prayer do that? What are ways that prayer does that for us? Yes. Um, when we are weak, God is made strong by us relying on him. Mm-hmm. And so obviously like we, we shouldn't just pray when we are feeling weak or when we need something, mm-hmm. but um, in that way, I think that we grow by acknowledging God's strength when we pray yeah. to Him. 
Great. And we rely on him. Yep. Straight from my bullet point. Reliance. It helps us build reliance on God in our weak moments, but in our strong moments that we, it reminds us of our reliance. What else? It's what we're commanded to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah God tells us to do it, right? So he gives us his gift. It's a means of grace, but he also tells us to do it. He's, he doesn't just say, hey, this is something you can use if you want to. He gives it to us, but then he says, do it. So there's a command aspect to, to prayer, right? So obedience to God as a means of grow, spirit, being spiritually nourished. And he doesn't, do, he doesn't tell us to pray because we have to check a box off either, right? Our, he tells us to do things that are good for us. Um, he tells us not to do things that are bad for us. So there's that. What else? It builds intimacy with the Father. Yeah, it keeps us from just being like a fan of God to yeah. actually being a child yep. in communion with Him. Yeah, relationship building is, a, is, is, is one of them. Prayer is also... Yeah, uh, It's also um, the means by which God does things so um broadly but like he uses our prayers to have his decrees I, I don't know if that's the right word but he uses our prayers to um as a means to affecting things in yeah. the world yep. does that mm -hmm. anyone else have anything else to worship him to worship him, yes, yeah, great. The last thing I had was to acknowledge who we are and who God is. It helps us to kind of level set, to, to, it helps us to kind of understand. So there's a confession of sin, there's forgiveness that we're reminded of when we pray. Uh, we're reminded of God's sovereignty and his actions in the world. Those are all things that um, prayer does for us. It reminds us of Christ's work and his role. We are praying in Jesus' name. Um, and our access to our Father, the requests that we provide, that we give, um, the relationship building is only tr only true for us because of what Christ has done. So Matthew seven, verses seven through through eleven says, "Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For whoever for everyone who asks receive, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone?" Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? So this idea of prayer as a means of grace um, helps us in our weakness. Um, it helps us acknowledge who God is. It builds reliance, builds a relationship. Um, and it's an expected and necessary part of the, of the Christian life. So Jesus repeated, repeatedly addresses prayer to his disciples. And he says, what does he say? Does he say, if you pray or, you know, when you get around to it, he says, when you pray, this is what you should say. When you pray, this is what you should do. Um, the Confession of Faith, Westminster Confession of Faith, and ours is, is similar. This prayer with thanksgiving being one special part of religious worship is by God required of all men, gets to the obedience part, 
and that it may be accepted, it is to be made in the name of the Son by the help of his Holy Spirit according to his will with understanding, reverence, humility, fervency, gets that fervency gets to this idea of a warrior, faith, love, and perseverance, and if vocal in a known tongue, right? A little jab at the folks that have different <laughs> tongues. Um, and our confession is very similar. The, the London Baptist confession is very similar. I, it, it, the language is just a little bit weird, different, um, a little bit less clear. So that's the Westminster is the only reason why I'm using that one. So what's the purpose of prayer? Um, so we kind of talked about what it is and, you know, how it, how it works. Um, what's the purpose of prayer? Um, to give God glory is the first thing. So what's the, the, the main um, prayer that Jesus gives to us is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, setting that expectation of who we are and who God is. Hallowed be your name. Give him glory. We start with by giving God glory. Your will be done. Getting to your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, our petition to God for uh, what we need. Um, knowing that he will provide. Um, now I'm blanking. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or debts as we forgive our debtors. So a confession of sin. Um, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's kind of added at the end. Um, and so this is that's the, the purpose of prayer is first to give God glory. Um, to help conform us, or for strength and encouragement. Um, so 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 um, says, so, keep me from be so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being becoming conceited. Three times I pled with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness, uh, for for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly for my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul is recalling a time when he prayed for strength and encouragement, and God answered his prayer. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Um, the last is to conform us to Christ, um, or the last point that I have for the purpose of prayer, to give God glory, to give us strength and encouragement, and to help conform us to Christ, right? is seen in the, the, the structure and function of the Lord's Prayer. Um, thoughts so far? So to dig into the to the Lord's Prayer a little bit more, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism identifies six petitions in the prayer to kind of kind of dig in a little bit more. The first is, hallowed be your name. Uh, God's name may be honored by us and all men. Thy kingdom come, that the gospel will be preached in all the world and believed and obeyed by us and all men. So thy kingdom come is a petition um, that we're called to pray. We're, we're called to pray for God's kingdom to come. 
Um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that men on earth may serve God as the angels do in heaven. That's what the Shorter Catechism says. Um, give us this day our daily bread. God would give us things we need for our bodies, so our physical bodies. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that God would pardon our sins, and we should do so if, to those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. God will keep us from future sin. So acknowledging the sin that we have um, done uh, and to keep us from future sin. Uh, so the, the author of the book kind of gets into, okay, so we've kind of established what prayer is, what the structure generally is, what, what we should be praying for and how we should be praying. And that doesn't mean that every single time we pray, we have to make sure we hit all of these bullet points, right? So we don't always have to pray for uh, thy kingdom to come, but that should be something that we should be praying for, generally speaking. So while the, uh, the Lord's Prayer is, is the structure that Jesus gives us for prayer, it, those are the petitions that we should be praying for. Um, and so it doesn't mean every prayer has to happen in that specific way, but those are things that, that Jesus has told us to pray for. Yeah, Josh. Um, I'm just kind of struck with, uh, you mentioned how he says, when you pray, pray like this. Yeah. And then I remember Paul saying that we don't know how to pray as we ought. Yeah. The Spirit intercedes for us. It's like I compare, you know, my prayers to what I read in Ephesians or any of those uh, epistles. And it's like a different, a different type of prayer entirely, you know? Mm -hmm. In what way? Like, you know, I might be praying for, I don't know how to explain it, right? Like just random, random yeah. stuff, right? But Paul's over here praying for like, in, in three, right, chapter three, that we would be strengthened with power in inner, inner man to know the love of Christ, that we would be filled with the spirit of wisdom and uh, revelation of Christ. Um, that's the kind of prayer that we don't know how to pray, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So the... The subjects of our prayers in comparison to what Paul talks about. Yeah, well, it's just like the uh, the dichotomy of you know when Paul says we don't know how to pray as we ought, and yet the Lord has told us this is how you can pray. Yeah, right. It just kind of throws up like a flag for me. Like, how is that possible? You know, a bit of a paradox, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think, and we talked a lot more about this in, in the Ordinary Means of Grace class when we talked about prayer and what it is. But we, one of the things we talked about was that it's a Trinitarian kind of concept. So we're praying to God through Christ, but the but the Holy Spirit is 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 part of that. So that it's not like he, the Holy Spirit is um, is is prompting us to pray, right? but also is kind of clarifying to some extent. There's a clarification to some extent. So like if we have a big chasm between, you know, how we pray and how Paul prayed, that's, that's fine. Like the spirit is lead, is moving us and, um, and is interceding for us in that way. Um, so it's not, we don't have to have the right words. Certainly that's, that's great. Cause I often don't have the right words, right? You know, public prayer is, is a fairly new thing for me, especially in like a, 
in a in a big church kind of setting, and so I often fumble over my words, but I'm comforted in knowing that I don't have to say the exact right words um, in order for God to hear me, um, because the Spirit is is working through my words. Um, I think also that I mean we've done Sunday school classes that where we just focused on Paul's prayers in the letters yeah and taken those as indications of things we Paul's praying for the churches right he's telling yeah. them what he's praying for them for yeah what he's asking God to give them and so we can use that as an indication of what we need sure like and there Paul's writing now Ephesians is written to us now right mm-hmm. so these are things that um, from God's word we know someone needs to pray for us to have sure and so it's kind of an elaboration on your will be done we can now we're asking for things that we know are in, are in God's will yeah so that's one way that I think we can um, benefit or, or pick up on what Paul prayed for us uh, in our prayers to God. Uh, it, it can inform us how we should be praying. How we should be yeah. praying. Things we yeah. can be praying for that we must need according to the scriptures. Yeah. That's great. Well, um, the purpose of the class, this class has been to try to tie this kind of personal healthy church member back into what it, how that contributes to a healthy church. Um, and so the, that was a great segue to kind of talk about how Paul prays for the church, and how we should um, be praying and how that builds up our church or the church. Um, so he talks about kind of four things the author does. Um, he talks, he asks a kind of when we should pray, how we should pray, what we should pray for, and the fourth one, is, and, um, oh, he just has three things. Sorry. When we should pray, how we should pray, and what we should pray for. So let's kind of break those down. So when should we pray? Always. Always. He says constantly, but that's right. Always. We should always be praying. First Thessalonians 5 says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For you, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. So this is his kind of closing um, encouragement to the church in Thessalonica and his his uh, list of things that they should be doing include rejoicing always and praying without ceasing. They should always be praying. Um, Romans 12, Paul says this to Paul says to be constant in prayer. So this is something that we should be doing individually, but then what should mark a healthy church is constant prayer. We should constantly be going to the Lord in prayer about about the things he tells us to be praying for. 
um, and we have examples like Sheldon mentioned in uh, the letters to the different churches um, that kind of give us these different things that we should be praying for about our church. But it says, be constant in prayer. Pray without ceasing. So that's when we should pray. We should pray all the time. Um, Colossians 3 and 4 kind of talk about this as well. So Colossians is written, um, Paul's right into that church. Um, and it says in 3, one, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. So he's saying, this is what you should be looking for. You should be setting your mind on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Well, how do we do this? Well, he kind of skips into four, and in chapter four, verses two through four, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open up a door uh, for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So he is saying, set your minds on things that are above. How do you do that? Continue steadfastly in prayer. And he says, which I think is really cool, a cool uh, description. He says, be watchful in your prayer with thanksgiving. So there's a, why would you be thankful? Because God has given this to us as a gift. And so he's, he's not saying, he's saying be or continue steadfastly in prayer, constant prayer, right? Be watchful in it. So this should be something that you're actively thinking about when you're praying. It shouldn't be a prayer that's like a, a kind of castaway prayer. Um, I grew up in a church context where the longer the prayer, the more holy the person was. And so they would say all these things, and it would be the same kind of canned text, right, every time. And so I would prefer somebody that fumbles over their words but is making a, a is watchful in their prayer versus somebody that is just kind of saying words that make everybody feel good, right? So prayer should be something that we're watchful. We should be, watchfulness is something that we're thinking about when we're doing, when we're actually praying, but we should get better at praying. Like that's just like all the other means of grace that we talked about. There should, there's a sanctification in our prayers. We should be thinking more and more like Christ in how we pray. So he says, be watchful in it. Um, And then he says, um, help me, pray for me, that I'll have the right words to say. Here's Paul. He's in prison because he's preaching the gospel, and he's saying, pray for me that I'm going to have the right words to say when it comes time. So he says, I want to be clear in declaring the mystery of Christ. So please help, please pray for me that I would actually be able to say the right words when it comes time. I'm in prison right now, but when it comes time, I want to be able to, to clearly articulate the mysteries of Christ. And then at the end of four, he talks about Epaphras. He has a few different folks um, that he talks about in Colossians 4. He says, Epaphras, who's one of you, a servant in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So he talks about this guy, Epaphras, and he says, he's struggling on your behalf in his prayers. So this idea of like this watchfulness in the way that we pray, that we should constantly be in prayer, that we should be watchful about how we pray. And Epaphras, he holds up Epaphras and says, 
this guy's struggling in his prayers for you. Like this is a this he is he cares so deeply about you that you're gonna that you as a church may stand mature and fully assured of the in all the will of God that he's struggling in your behalf. So this is a this is this is gets back to this idea of a prayer warrior. This is not just a prayer, a guy person that prays, but this idea of a prayer warrior that there's a struggle. And, there, and he's struggling on your behalf. And how is he doing that? He's doing it on behalf, in his prayers. He's using his prayers as a struggle towards this, this gospel maturity. Um, so that's great. Thoughts? Thoughts about that? I personally find someone that is a prayer warrior very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Like, <coughs> insert random concern here lost or something it's like I, I can't expect anyone here to to fix that loss right that's outside of your power and maybe you would have kind words to say that would give some you know, easing but if you tell me you're praying for me that that uh, as candy pointed out right gives God I guess the freedom if you will to to give that peace that surpasses understanding mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> And actually pray for you, right? Like not say that they're praying for you. Right, you, right. There's a sense that there's there's actual prayer happening. Well, I and mean, when that peace comes, it's like that's because... That's an answer of prayer. Right, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, the second point, so when should we pray constantly? How should we pray? We should pray in the Spirit. And that gets back to our previous discussion. Could someone read uh, Romans 8, uh, 26 and 27? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So getting back to this point that we don't always have the words. In fact, um, Josh, you said that you said this. We don't pray as we ought. We don't know how to pray. And other other passages kind of talked about this. But the Spirit intercedes for us. So peer, prayer is prayer in the Spirit is prayer controlled by the Spirit, which is according to the will of God. So if this is a Trinitarian act and that the Spirit is interceding for us, then even if we don't say the right things, or even if we don't ex- even know exactly what to pray for, the act of prayer is an act of worship, and it's something that's done in the Spirit. Um, and note, this is this is Romans eight, right? This is one of our famous, you know, one of our really, one of our chapters we like to talk about a lot because it talks. But at the beginning of the chapter, in fourteen through seventeen, this is um, this this idea of prayer and this benefit that we have is because of our status. So Paul rolls this all out and he says, "Your status is now you're an heir." And if an heir, and he goes kind of walks through what our status is as heirs. Um, and then he says, this prayer that you're going to be doing, it's a gift, but it's it's because of your status with God. And then in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the armor of God, and he ends with praying at all times in the Spirit. Paul, and then at, after that, he asks again for his prayer um, and, his, uh, and that his words would be clear. So... 
uh, Ephesians 6, and it mirrors what we see in Colossians 4, where Paul says, here's the armor of God, put it all on, and then pray at all times in the Spirit. So it kind of puts those two ideas of praying constantly and praying in the Spirit. And what should we pray for? That was the last point that the author talks about. What should we pray for? And he breaks it down and says there, we should pray for laborers and shepherds. We should pray for all, and we should pray for all the saints. We should pray for those in authority. And we should pray for those who abuse and persecute others. So praying for laborers and shepherds. So he talks about um, four things. He says that labor, we should be praying that laborers and shepherds be sent, um, be strengthened, be emboldened, and that they would spread. So this idea that laborers and shepherds would be sent, strengthened, emboldened, uh, emboldened, and spread. So this is the, this is when when we pray. What should we pray for in, to, in the context of the church? Um, so we should pray for laborers to be sent, strengthened, boldened, and spread. We should pray for the saints. That's the second thing he talks about. He said we should pray for the saints. This is our tangible expression for our love and care for each other. That we would pray for each other, like actually pray for each other. Um, it and it if we're praying for each other that insinuates that we know each other, that we know what each other's weaknesses and strengths are. We know each other's, what, what, we're, what our, we're going through in our lives. So we can't do that if we don't have relationships in our church that are open enough that would allow us to know how we should pray for each other. And so we should pray as a tangible expression for our love and our care, our watchfulness over each other. We should be praying for each other. Uh, we should, when we pray for each other, we should obviously pray for things that are happening in each other's lives that we want to intercede on behalf of. But we should be praying, generally speaking, for sanctification, for growth, for peace, for comfort, if that's possible. And we should be praying against temptation, sin, and so forth. So we should be praying for people in specific ways that they would grow in their relationship with God. Um, and that they would um, forsake sin and uh, that they wouldn't be tempted. Uh, and then we should pray for those in authority. Uh, so he talks about praying for those in authority. We talked last week about being a humble follower, but his idea is, is this idea of praying for those that are in authority in our church, but also um, the other realms of authority, the other governments. So... Um, civil governments, we should be praying for those in authority from that perspective, that they would do God's will, right? The, the, the Lord's Prayer says that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come, and so we would, we would want to pray that our civil government leaders um, would align themselves with what, what God has told them, with their, their God's authorities in this world, and so we should pray that they would more um, align with what God has told them to do. Um, and then we should pray for those who abuse and persecute. So Luke 28 says, pray for those who curse you and abuse you. So we should pray for our people. We should pray for all people. We should pray for uh, laborers and shepherders. shepherds. We should pray for people in authority. Uh, and we pr should pray for those that are abusing and persecuting others. We should pray that they would stop doing that, first of all. Um, and that they would... 
uh, come to um, a saving knowledge of Christ if they don't have that. Other thoughts about what we should pray for in the context of the church? I went a lot faster than I thought I would go. No? I think one other aspect that the short catechism pulls out of the Lord's Prayer is the corporate context of it. Yeah. It's, he uses our, we, us, that yes. sort of language. Yeah. So I think they say, and we learn from saying our Father that we're supposed to be praying with and for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as much as I, speaking for myself at least, struggle in private prayer, the struggle is probably even greater for most of us in, in corporate prayer. Yeah. And yet that's such a gift that God's given us. Um, and then the idea of praying for one another is, again, going back to thinking of the communion of the saints. And yeah. That the picture of the body of caring for one another and, you know, being faithful to lift lift those needs up that we are aware of for our brothers and sisters in Christ before God's throne. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, corporate prayer is kind of interesting. I mean, there's a lot of different views on what that looks like and, um, you know, more kind of liturgical churches will have where we actually will pray verbally together. Like we'll say the Lord's Prayer Mm -hmm. uh, verbally as we're kind of worshiping, as an act of worship. Um, And I think there's some beauty in that. You know, like there's... There's beauty in the idea that we are all together and we're worshiping and we're singing together, right? And we're hearing each other's voices as we sing these truths about who we are and who God is and what he's done for us. But then this idea of corporately verbalizing prayers together, of corporately verbalizing um, even just truths, uh, corporately reading scripture together. Um, I think there's a beauty in verbalizing some of that. So, um, yeah, corporate prayer is not a passive thing. Uh, as a church, we should be, um, even if one person is praying, I think that's, that's not a time to check out. That's, that's a time to be like listening to what the prayer is and praying along with the person that's corporately praying that, that, that those petitions would be heard by God. Um, so that's awesome. Any other thoughts about prayer? Just as a kind of a matter of encouragement, years ago, <clears throat> we would all, people would often give testimony before they were baptized. And I started noticing how often their testimony of, and you know, people who had strayed far from the Lord, far from the church, their testimony included, but I have, my grandmother prayed for me. My mother, my father mm-hmm. prayed for me all those years that I was straying. And I, I just thought, you know, and a lot of times they go back to things they had learned early mm-hmm. in childhood, but had strayed from. Yeah. And so to me, that, that was just always an encouragement <coughs> that... Our prayers are effective, even if we don't always see the answers or the results. Those prayers are still very important, Mm -hmm. um, personal and corporate. 
you know, for the church as well as for individuals. But anyway, yeah, there's... when you talked about who is a prayer warrior, I just thought of all those people praying for their children and their grandchildren and their sisters and brothers. And um, yeah, it's a powerful thing. Well, we pray. He tells us to pray expectantly. Like this isn't this is an active like we're praying and bring our petitions to God. And he's telling us that he's going to answer our prayers. And it might take 20 years. Um, and we may never see the prayer answered. But a prayer that is petitioning God for the right things, right? Like when I was a kid, I used to pray for, you know, stuff for, you know, a new toy or something like that. Um, and I didn't get it. So. But we sometimes we pray for things that are that are not... God's will, but if we're praying for our loved ones to come to this saving knowledge in Christ, God is hearing that, and it is obviously His will is being done. But there's an expectation that God is faithful when we pray. It's one of the ideas that comes along with praying without ceasing. It's uh-huh. the idea of praying um, with perseverance. Because <clears throat> yeah, thinking of the kind of those kind of stories, it's. The, the years of praying, say, for someone's salvation can can become discouraging yes. as, as every day and month and year passes and you see them just con- continuing in rebellion. Mm. But it's those prayer warriors who pray with perseverance because they they can just keep bringing that petition before the Lord. Yeah. Because we know it's we know it's the Lord's will for, for no one to be lost. Sure. So we can confidently pray for <clears throat> salvation. Mm-hmm. I said it's just a sweet thing as a prayer warrior to not get tired out. Yeah. But to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to persevere and, and bring in this request before God. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I've got a quote from Calvin that I think um, it's a little bit cumbersome with language, but he's 400 from 400 years ago. So, But it gets to this idea of prayers from the Institutes, chapter 20 of the Institutes. It says, we see... That nothing is set before us as an object of expectation from the Lord, which we are not enjoined to ask him in prayer. So true it is that prayer digs up all those treasures which the gospel of our Lord discovers uh, to the eye of faith. The necessity and utility of this exercise of prayer, no words can sufficiently express. Assuredly, it is not without cause Our Heavenly Father declares that our only safety is in calling upon His name. Since by it we invoke the presence of His providence to watch over our interests, of His power to sustain us when weak and and almost fainting, of His goodness to receive us us into His favor, though miserably loaded with sin. He's got to put that little sin jab in there. But this idea that we're digging up, like prayer is digging up treasures, of the gospel as we do it. And he declares, um, our father declares that our only safety is in calling on his name and his sustenance in our weakness. Even though we're sinners, he still tells us to come to him. Um, And so I thought that was a really powerful quote to summarize what prayer uh, is and how, how beautiful and amazing it is. Um, and what a gift it is. And I need to preach that here. I need to hear that myself because uh, I need to pray more. Um, I don't pray as often as I should. Um, and so thinking what, like the purpose of our prayer, like why we should pray and thinking about this idea of digging up treasures. Like 
I'm reminded, I can be reminded of the gospel every time I go to my father in prayer. I can be encouraged in my weakness. Um, So there's that. Any closing thoughts? Closing thoughts about the class in general? Yeah. It's been fun to walk through. I think it was obviously a timely discussion about, um, you know, being a healthy church member. Um, I think it's, it's opened up some really, really good conversations about um, how we can do that. We can't have a healthy church if the members are not healthy. All right, well, I'm not going to awkwardly stand here. I will close in prayer and go head to worship. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for this church. We just, um, we trust that you are working uh, in our church and that you're using um, each of us as parts of this body um, to proclaim the gospel, to glorify you, um, and to build build us all up. So we just pray that you would continue to work through our church. We pray that you would be with um, each of us, um, that you would help us to see the beauty and the treasure that you have given us in prayer, um, that you would help us to pray more, um, that you would help us to be watchful in our prayer, that we would struggle uh, to pray more and more um, because it's what you've told us to do, but, but it's it's a gift that you've given us, that you've told us is an active gift that we will be sanctified by. And so we pray that you help us um, in our weakness with prayer um, and that our church would be known as a house of prayer. Father, we pray for uh, the worship this morning, uh, that you would open up our uh, hearts and our minds to what you have for us, um, that we would worship in spirit and truth, um, and that you would be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.